Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Chris Mannix coming up here momentarily. If you have any thoughts on the Jazz, Mike Conley, what we were talking about, the rebounding, you can always tweet us at Jake Scott Zone, at Gordon Monson, at Austin Horton, if you'd like to include Austin in the convo as well. But it's it's really important. It's it's the big storyline right now, Gordon, because the Jazz aren't going anywhere unless Mike Conley gets going. It's a great point. I, I say the same thing about rebounding. Those two things are out of everything that I've seen thus far, and, and they're correctable. I guess that's the good news. Right. But how and when? You know, Gordon, this has gotten me thinking, how can I make you more comfortable on the big show? How can I, how can I be a good floor mate for you? <laughs> what, what, could I, what could I do to, to make you feel more comfortable? Catering the show wouldn't be a bad way to go. <laughs> we're, going to the, we're going to the food cart? <laughs> I don't know, Austin. Let's think about this. We gotta, let's, let's take advantage of this opportunity here. What can Jake do to make us more comfortable? That goes for Austin. That goes for Lloyd. I want to be a, a good floor mate. I want to make sure that my teammates are, are comfortable and able to succeed. That's my goal. Well, I, well that's a noble goal. So uh, you let me I, know. Just the fact that you want that tells me a lot about you that I already knew. But, you know, you're very good at making people comfortable. Well, that's good because that's important. And we, we. Maybe you should call Mike Conley. <laughs> Uh, quick update on Chris Mannix. In an unexpected meeting, he is a, a big deal over there at Sports Illustrated, and we're uh, we're hoping maybe to mix some things up. Maybe talk to Christian Cox coming up here momentarily. Okay. We're, we're, uh, Austin is doing what Austin so, does so well. Austin is scrambling. On the fly. On the fly. That's why he's the best in the biz, folks. So hopefully we'll talk to uh, Christian Cox uh, coming up here momentarily, and uh, Chris Maddox will join us a little bit later on in the in the show. So we'll uh, we'll move from basketball to talk a little college football here. Real quick though, let, let's just let's just guess a little bit, or speculate on how Mike Conley, if you were the coach, what would you do without disrupting the rest of the team? To, would you give him? Would you tell him to handle the ball more? Would you? What did he do in in Memphis that he isn't doing now? He's handling the ball significantly less than now than he was in Memphis. Obvious there. Obviously there. He had Gasol. He could uh, you know dump the ball into. And you see him give the ball to Rudy Gobert in a place where Marcus Gasol could have done something with it, where Rudy struggles to do. So I mean, some of it is just getting acclimated with your teammates. And but but. Uh, how long is it going to take? Because every one of these games is important. All right, let's switch gears a little bit, talk a little college football. Uh, let's get out to the Sprint special guest line, get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Joining us, of course, former Ute and our good friend, Christian Cox on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Hello, Christian. How are you? Hello, Jacob. Hello, Gordon. It's good to hear your voices talking to Jazz again. They're being disappointing to us, but the Utes are not, so I'm happy to be here. Well, let's talk a little Utes, Christian. Just how big in the you know grand landscape of the program of Utah football was that win over the weekend? Oh, I well, I think I think Kyle was relieved, right? I think he said it was one of the biggest wins in November in the last ten years. I 
you know, having, you know, watched the game and sitting and watching that first quarter unravel, you're thinking, oh, here we go again. This does not bode well for the Utes. And, you know, what a heck of a game that Tyler Huntley put together along with the whole team just kind of bearing down and, you know, coming up with some big stops throughout the game. And, you know, college football really is a game of runs. and It really is a full, complete game of each quarter and each quarter. And I thought, the, I thought Utah overcame a lot of adversity, right? It even started with, you know, you get the ball first on the road. You know, usually you go down and eat up some clock and get a score. But you, you went three and out, and then you let Washington drive down your throat and go score quick. You come up with a big turnover right after, and you only come up with three points. And I think every Utah fan was thinking, you know what, we just can't we can't trade scores. We can't trade field goals for touchdowns. And the same thing with New England last night against the Ravens. You can't get down in the red zone and not score. And, you know, after halftime, you know, I think obviously that Jalen Johnson interception and really rattling Jacob Eason and the defense just hunkering down and improving after getting blitzed the, the first half, you know, then it turned the turned the turned the tide, and then uh, Tyler Huntley delivered, and, and Zach Moss delivered, and those two guys, you know, kind of cemented how real this team is. We've questioned and wondered all year, and you know, they didn't have Zach Moss against SC on the road, but when you needed Tyler Huntley, he delivered those big third down completions over and over and over again. One to Nakua, one to Simpkins. And uh, it just makes you sad to a degree because you wish you had him for one more year, right? Because this has been his his best and brightest year. And, you know, he led the team in a very controlled fashion. And it felt good. How good did it feel to just take over the game in the fourth quarter? And those are one of the key points to winning, you know, games on the road. You got to win the fourth quarter. You got to win the turnover battle. You got to win in special teams. And, uh, you know, the Utah kickers came up with points when needed, but in the fourth quarter, Utah imposed its will against against Washington, and you know that was a good Washington team. Easton was really good, and I thought the defense showed up when it needed to, and the offense complemented that play. And Tyler Huntley, hats off to him. Uh, I said it last week. I think he's got a shot in the NFL. He's playing on a bum leg. He's too darn efficient, and he's fine to play in the pocket. I think. That's what will give him an opportunity to play in the next level. The thing that really strikes me about Tyler is he's learned to play quarterback. I mean, th- those throws, He we were talking about this earlier, Christian, he missed one throw in the second half. One throw. Every other pass that needed to be made, he completed. And you mentioned a couple of them. There was another one to Dixon that was just so very important as well. I- I'm impressed with... Back in the day, he would drop back, and you would see him take off running. He would start to get nervous back there. I see no nerves with him now. And maybe some of it is the fact that his knee hurts, and he's not going to take off running unless he absolutely has to, or it's called that way. But he would just survey the field, pick out, look at the routes, and then deliver the ball. And and Washington was trying to make it difficult for him, but... I was uh, I was really impressed by what I saw. When you have a quarterback who who demonstrates those kinds of capabilities, I think it settles the entire team. Well, it's fundamental football, right? And whether you're a little eager in high school, the longer you can keep the running, the longer you can sit in the pocket for one extra half of a second or a full second, 
you give your you give your receivers one extra window you can deliver the ball and where most novice players will tuck and run because they feel uncomfortable but Tyler Huntley even with the bum knee uh even before that I think we we talked about it ad nauseum in a good way he's sat in there and delivered the ball downfield and has taken big hits and he hasn't tried to run around and you know make the big play he's He's just—he's striking in his delivery too. It's not like he's throwing these floaters. You watch how tight his spiral is, and you watch how he—he—he he, he throws the ball downhill and downfield. It's impressive, uh, and you know, for him to make the jump in just really a year—I uh, think we talked about this before—but as progression happens for a true player to progress and have a quality coach that helps him progress, it, it becomes exponential between your sophomore to then your junior year, to then your junior to your senior year. We talked about it being kind of like a spotlight versus just a flashlight. He sees the full game. He understands the full game. Added on top of that, Andy Ludwig's play calls are, and his scheme is a scheme, right? They have an identity. This Utah offense has a very clear identity where in years past, you know, you, you, you were wondering what the offense was at times, right? And Tyler Huntley is, is at the helm of it. And then it doesn't hurt that you have one of the best backs in the league who was getting owned because the offensive line wasn't creating lanes in the first half, but just kept sticking to the game plan and wore down Washington's offense, uh, defensive line and, and was getting up into the next level in the second half. Uh, that can't go unnoticed and unsaid how well Andy did to stick with the play calling. And people forget that little speed option play. Brian Johnson used to run that all the time. Uh, you know, and he'd pitch it to either Darrell Mack or Matt Asiata, or he'd just keep it. And timely third down conversions, uh, it just gets excited to be a Utah fan because where in years past, in the last decade, it's, you know, Utah, you know, could only win the games of their underdogs and they're performing at the highest level and living up to the expectation when needed to. And uh, getting a win against Washington is, is a huge relief. And, you know, the bye couldn't have come at a better time. And I think for Utah, you know, you, you get these guys healed up. Um, you get, you know, you get Tyler Huntley some time away to get his knee right. And you have these three last games. You take care of business. And, uh, you know, what a showdown. Like, what a showdown if it is against Oregon and if Utah takes care of business. What an actual fun uh, Pac-12 championship. Had a little different flavor than it did last year. One other thing about Huntley, guys, is that he averaged 11.8 yards per attempt. Per attempt. And he's third in the country in in that category over between 10 and 11 somewhere. But he was even better against Washington. That's remarkable. He's averaging nearly 15 yards per completion, but 11.8 yards per Per uh, yards, not points uh, per attempt. Uh, that uh, any coach will take that number. Yeah, you can go look at Mitchell Trubisky's numbers uh, from yesterday. I think he completed six. His per attempt was one point two yards. <laughs> so uh, obviously a, a different scale, but yeah, yeah. Uh, average is like four point five, right? And the more you go up, and the higher the completion percentage, his QBR has got to be extremely high. It, he just doesn't turn the ball over. Uh, he's extremely efficient. Um, no wonder Kyle said that's his favorite team. I can't believe he said that. <laughs> oh, but it's okay. As he should be. 
Christian Cox is with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's talk about the defense a little bit, Christian, because you know you you mentioned the the slow start for the Utes. That was really on both sides of the ball as Eason looked like he was carving up Utah. Uh, yeah. Not unlike Matt Fink for for USC, it kind of had that that flavor to it. And then things really changed, and the defense tightened up and and really ended up turning in a, a heck of a performance. Yeah, it's yeah, you, you just kind of settle in, right? You you see you've practiced and you've had a, a preparation week, you've seen all this film, and then you get into the thick of it and you have to make adjustments on the fly. And I think Morgan did a great job of doing that. I think they got some pressure to Eason. I think his big fumble in the first quarter kind of rattled him a little bit. And then if you go back and rewatch his throw to Jalen Johnson, it's like, well, what the heck are you doing throwing it directly to him? He was already sitting on it. Uh, but he was he was rattled with the pressure coming from up the middle with with Lucky Foe too and Bradley and I and then uh, obviously Francis coming on these zone blitzes. Uh, you know what what Morgan has dialed up. He brings these zone blitzes. He brings these linebacker crosses, if you will. You see him and Lloyd Francis Bernard and Lloyd will do this cross up, and then sometimes the safety will bear down in in between that and. I think the physicality of the D-line in the front seven is what opens it up for the back end, and it's a complementary team, and I think we've mentioned this before. What has made Utah so good this year is they have stayed healthy for the most part, right? You look at the positions on offense, maybe the offensive lines had some, they've been banged up a little bit, but on defense, they've really had continuity the entire way across, and each player uh, is extremely good at their job, and the scheme lines up with them. And unlike USC, uh, Wash- the Washington game, I think they settled in, and they came up with those big plays. And then the offense fed on top of that, right? It, before that pick six, the game was wobbly, right? You're like, are they going to do this? Are they going to come back and pull this off? And then Jalen Johnson came up with that huge interception. I thought the two-point conversion – it was interesting to go for it at that point. Um, I thought he was in, but he had a bad ca- camera angle. And then uh, the fourth quarter, uh, the rest of the way, the defense really strangled Eason and got some three and outs, uh, saved that last drive, which is normal with a two-minute drill. And um, again, We're witnessing just beauty and, 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 and funness to college football, right, and this Utah team. And, you know, I think the travesty or the sad part about college sports, right, is you only can capture it for a season or maybe two. And, um, you know, be grateful for what we have in front of us. You know, this is a very special team. And uh, you hope that they can finish out the, the, the next couple games and see where the specialness takes them. Because I, I would measure them just as equally up to the 08 teams, um, you know, the 04 team, really quality quarterback play, really quality D-line and defensive effort. Uh, and then even, heck, you know, we go back to college basketball. Uh, you know, the Majerus years as a child, you know, I was 10 and 11 when they went to the Final Four and then lost in the championship and lost to Brevin Knight in the Elite Eight. And, you know, this is this is where we're at. And, and I don't think I'm being – I don't think I'm embellishing that. I think Kyle recognizes that. And I think that's where coming into the season, they knew how big of a deal it is. And um, it's right in front of them. And uh, I would be shocked – I would be willing to place a bet with Vegas that if uh, that they would, you know, lose one of these upcoming three games, and they know what's at the end of this, and that's why they're going to take care of each one at a time. Did you just say, Christian, that you were ten or eleven when when uh, the Utes were going to the Final Four? Yeah, 
right? Oh, the final. Well, it was hand Tuesday. Me, hand, me my, hand me my cane, will you, Jake? <laughs> oh, come on, Gordon. I, yeah, I was ten, and then on top of that, we had the we had uh, the Jazz getting punished by Michael Jordan. So my childhood <laughs> was wrecked with crying in spring and summer. <laughs> you mentioned basketball. <laughs> you mentioned that defensive front. They're averaging. Yielding 56 yards a game, and Washington could only get 53. I know that they've had some injuries at that position. But when a defense can do that, that's when guys like Jalen Johnson can jump routes. You know, when they know they're gonna, the opponent is going to throw the football because they can't run it, that seems like if I'm a defensive back, I'm loving that. Yeah, well, you look at, look at Lucky Soto. You stood next to him and interviewed him. He's yes, a scary-looking bugger. And then you got Pacini's very underrated. And then you look at Mika Tafua. I put him up there with Bradley and I in terms of physique and strength and power. Like They're freakish DNs, and they don't rotate a lot, right? Where in the past they've rotated a ton, right? And then you look at Devin Lloyd and, and you look at uh, Bernard, at, you know, kind of, you know, handling the middle. And then you got, you know, you got some of the best safeties and corners. You know, you got Burgess and Blackman and Jalen, and, and they're just they're just so well coached. And Morgan has a good scheme. Sharif does a phenomenal job in motivating his kids and teaching them technique. It's just it, the, the the actual group. Uh, there's a lot of ancillary staff that we don't really talk about, right? There's a lot of former players that are up there helping his grad assistants have plenty of knowledge and you know, you'd have to be pretty bad not to run through these lanes and make tackles when you got Pacini and Lucky Foto, Bradley Knight and Mikatafua handling the front four. And Bernard is having a heck of a year. Same with Devin. So it credit to Kyle and recruiting and you know, you just gotta keep building on it and uh you gotta finish the year strong. Christian, as always, thank you very much, and uh, thanks for being a little amenable with the time today. We appreciate it. Oh, of course. Of course. Anything for you guys. See you, Gordon. Bye, Jay. Thanks, buddy. Christian Cox, former Ute, joins us uh, each week here on the big show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Good time to be a Ute right now. That team team is good. You you could hear it in his voice, though. Christian was a little hurt when Coach Witt said this was his his favorite squad. (laughs) Oh, come on. Uh he says that every year, doesn't he? Does Kyle Whittingham say that every year? I don't blame him. This team is fantastic. It is good. He didn't it say is. it the John Hayes year. <laughs> no, probably... <laughs> You're right about that. I uh, want to remind you about our friends at Zero Res. The Zero Res food, uh, food drive is back. Schedule a carpet cleaning for just $33 per room. Have a food donation ready at the time of service. And Zero Res will clean a fourth room for absolutely free. That's a lot to throw on John Hayes now. I just picked a guy that was on the team that year. Yeah. You know, the guy whose football program was canceled. He tried his best. I mean, he put in a situation and did the best he could. Actually, they probably overachieved that year for Oh, they certainly did. And I always thought that that was a comment just on uh, on Norm Chow and how short he thought that they were on quarterbacks when he got that job. He's like, holy cow. What would they have done without John? Seriously. You know, I mean. Wildcat! (laughs) Run every play. No, seriously, Norm's like, hey, I know your D2 football program just got canceled. <laughs> Before you take that janitorial gig. How would you like to come play a little Pac-12 football, huh? <laughs> Let's go get it done out there. Oh, yes, and, sir. And to Austin's point, you know what? He did fine, considering the circumstance. Lavelle Edwards called Actually, that. that was my point. Or Austin made the yeah, same point. Yeah, Jake. I thought Austin made the same point. Jake was ridiculing the man. 
I was Austin. Austin not Jake was. Austin was. Okay. I'm sorry. No, I was a little confused. Yeah. All right, it's a good story. I don't think I can top that. <laughs> we'll get to uh, more coming up next. Do we have an update on on Chris? Are we going to try and get to him next? All right, Chris Mannix joins us next. Who? Stay tuned. Ninety-seven what? five and twelve eighty the zone. Where? This is DJ and PK. Frank Dolce, our Utah insider. I came into that game very cautious because of the record against Coach Peterson, because I thought that leaving a young defense for Washington was improving over the course of the year, and it was going to be, and maybe is, the best offensive line that Utah has faced this year. In all of those phases, Utah won. These last three games, it should be a dominating effort for Utah. The only way Utah stumbles is if Utah stumbles. I just don't think there's anybody on the rest of the schedule that can manage what Utah's doing right now. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance. Reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time for your NBA Daily Assist, brought to you by our good friends at Lee's Heating and Air. Austin, hit it. It's time for your NBA Daily Assist. Now, here's Chris Mannix on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Joining us now, he makes the magic happen at uh, Sports Illustrated. Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Sprint is the network built for Unlimited with great deals or on uh, great devices every day. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. He is Chris Mannix with you uh, with us on our NBA Daily Assist. Hi, Chris. How are you today? What's going on, guys? Hey, big topic conversation around here, Chris, of course, is Mike Conley's struggle thus far outside of kind of a half against the Clippers last week, uh, but off to a slow start so far with the Jazz, and kind of the big theme around here is making him more comfortable. But can you talk about what's going on with Mike and what you expect going forward? Yeah, it, it's, it's hard to say exactly what's going on, except that you do have to remember that Mike Conley has played, um, you know, obviously one organization and you know, for the most part, one style for, for much of his professional career. And coming to the Jazz and you know, trying to adjust as the playmaker in, in Quinn Snyder's offense and, and doing all the things, working with Donovan Mitchell, finding chemistry with his backcourt mate, I, I think those are real things. And it, It's not apples-to-apples apples analogy, but I mean, I spent a lot of time around Kemba Walker in Boston, and Kemba really struggled to open the season. Like, he didn't make anything. He was kind of like Mike Conley-esque in the first uh, couple of uh, uh, two or three games. And, and then he kind of came around. He just he was having some issues, you know, figuring out how to blend his game in with his new teammates, and it took him some time. And, and I, I, I think guys like Kemba and, and Mike Conley, they're just too talented. I mean, they're just too smart and too good of basketball players not to figure it out. So it, I won't say I'm not shocked that, that Mike's had the troubles he's had, but I do think that he's, he's got to figure it out. I think he's just too good and, and still playing at a high level. Another issue, Chris, with the Jazz has been 
rebounding, defensive rebounding. They've been allowing opponents in their last two games to beat them on their on the opponent's offensive glass. What can be done about that? Do you think that it's a matter of having raw-boned rebounders, or is it a matter of positioning yourself so the other guy can't get it? Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't mean to punt on it, but it's it's a little bit of both, I think. I mean, you lose a Derek Favors, and you lose some some rebounding, certainly, in that mix. I mean, you try to play a little bit smaller on that front line to create more spacing. You lose some rebounding. So that, I think, is going to be uh, both a need to maybe work in bigger bodies and kind of a team-wide adjustment. You've, you've got to be have kind of a gang rebounding mentality when you're when you're playing a little bit of, of smaller a smaller brand of basketball. I, I just I think you gotta you know spread the wealth when it comes to rebounding. You can't just rely on Gobert to to hang out down there. I mean, look honestly, oftentimes centers their best rebounding attribute is their ability to box out. I mean, I look at Brooke Lopez as a great example of this. Brooke Lopez will never lead the re- league in rebounding, but you ask any big man that's ever played alongside him. He's tremendous at boxing out. He is the best boxer outer, I think, in the entire NBA. And, you know, Gobert's going to take up a lot of space, but if he's taking that space up, somebody's got to get in there and be the rebounder while he's absorbing some of those bigger bodies. Chris, we're going to see the Sixers here at this building uh, coming up on Wednesday night to take on the Jazz. They are the last undefeated team left in the NBA. What's working so well for them? I mean, I saw them play a couple of times um, early in the season. Uh, the, the Portland game, notwithstanding, that was a little weird with how much offense was there. They're a great defensive team, a great defensive team with the potential to get even better as they develop chemistry on that end of the floor. I mean, they have got incredible size with Embiid and Horford as two of the best defensive bigs in the entire NBA. They kind of stagger them, and, and you'll see Embiid pulled out maybe three or four minutes in the first quarter and kind of blend both those guys at the five, but you put Josh Richardson, who can guard one to three. You know, you might see him. Uh, you know, you probably see a lot of him on Donovan Mitchell, uh, but maybe even see him on Mike Conley at different points. Uh, they're great. They really are defensively. You can, if you can score on them, though, you can beat them because I think they are having some issues offensively. You got to make Ben Simmons a shooter. You got to make everybody a shooter, frankly, because they'll beat you up on the inside. But they're a potential Finals team because even if they do struggle defensively. You can see that team holding good opponents into the 80s in some of their scoring. Chris, is this the year that Donovan Mitchell uh, sort of ascends to uh, what a lot of people thought he could be after seeing the hints that he's dropped over the last couple of years? Yeah, I mean, you hope so. I mean, I think he's certainly got the potential and the talent to do it. And I think as Mike Conley comes along, you'll see Donovan Mitchell come along. I think it's got to have an effect on Donovan to – yeah, to not be to not have your point guard struggling as mightily as Mike has, but I think once Mike gets into a rhythm, it'll have a positive effect on Donovan. And there's nothing I've seen, um, you know, in the first couple of years that doesn't that doesn't make me fully believe that Donovan Mitchell is going to you know emerge as a star. I mean, the only thing that that trips you up was when you saw his actual height in the preseason. Man. I think he lost what two inches. Uh, there, but we all kind of knew what he was height-wise anyway. But I think Kong is the perfect kind of sidekick for for Donovan. He's just a he's a, he's a shooter when he's on. Yeah, he can, he's a creator. He, he's unselfish. I mean, I think I think that's going to turn out to be a terrific relationship. Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated, with us on ninety-seven-five and twelve eighty, the Zone. Chris, Chris, it would appear that Luka Doncic is for real. Yeah, I mean, 
I think one of the great storylines in the years to come is going to be Luca and Trey Young. You know, obviously they're inextricably linked because of what happened on draft night, but uh, they are they are both special players. And you know, you watch Luca, and you know that pairing with Porzingis is just going to be incredible. And you guys are familiar, of course, with with Stockton and Malone, how good they were on pick and roll. Like Luca and Porzingis is Stockton and Malone like this generation. And, and what I mean by that is. You know, instead of just rolling the way Carl did, you know, you got Porzingis who can pop the three-point line, Luca who can score it from different angles. That is a lethal pick and roll combination. So, I'm I'm excited to see what what Luca does. I think he has MVP potential. I really do, and and I, I think he has he can really be a special player. Chris, uh, Steph Curry gets hurt, breaks that hand. Boy, what do you what do you do if you're the Warriors? What do you think is going to happen with this team as the year unfolds? Yeah, I guess it's how long is Steph out. I mean, the initial prognosis, I guess, is three months. So that puts you, what, into late February at that point. And it, it seems more likely than not that Clay Thompson is not going to play this year. So if it turns out Steph is, is you know, still kind of battling to come back, maybe it's sit him down for the rest of the year and make this sort of a redshirt year for, for all these guys. Um, they certainly could use it rest-wise. I mean, they've had a long run of, of seasons, and, and maybe they need uh, a bit of a break. But I, I think that's... Uh, I, I think uh, it's, it's going to be – there's no avoiding the lottery. It's the what question of where they fall in the lottery. And, look, it could be a blessing in disguise if you're Golden State because, you know, for the next few years, you've got Steph, you've got Clay, you've got um, Draymond Green, you've got D'Angelo Russell, you can also flip for something else. And then maybe you get yourself another high lottery pick that all of a sudden you plug a big hole that you have and, and you can make a run at the finals as early as next year. So – you know, it's going to be a tough year for them. There's no avoiding it, but it could turn out in 2020 and beyond that that they they found a way to a long-term success. Chris, you look at the uh, the top of the Western Conference standings. You've got Minnesota at four and one over there in the East. You have Miami at five and one. Who's been the the biggest surprise from a positive standpoint? Oh, Miami is, I think, for sure. Um, you know, because of the contributions they're getting. I mean, I, I couldn't have picked uh, Kendrick Nunn out of a lineup uh, <laughs> as recently as two weeks ago, and, and all of a sudden he's out there making shots and looking like a real fine for them. He's like Hassan Whiteside 2.0, you know, sort of the G-leaguer vagabond that, that, that has turned out to be a player in that Miami developmental system. This is why Miami, Miami always believes that you give them talent, they will maximize talent. They have just constantly believed that their player development system is as good or better than anybody in the league. So uh, I'm not surprised they're able to find another diamond in the rough. And I don't know what their ceiling is. I mean, I still think, you know, Tyler Harrow, excellent young player, going to turn into a, a guy that can be a long-term starter in this league. But uh, there's still one star short from making a run, I think, in the East. You know, and I, I, I'm not at all surprised by what I've seen from Minnesota. I mean, the Andrew Wiggins stuff has been better than expected, but – Ryan Saunders is an excellent coach, and I, I have long praised Quinn Snyder on your show over the years. I think Ryan Saunders is cut out of that Quinn Snyder cloth. I think he's a, another young coach who's incredibly smart, who obviously has the background of having his father being a longtime NBA coach. Uh, I think he's the right fit for that group. They bought into what he did at the end of last year, and now they've kind of picked up in a way where they left off. So I think they've got staying power uh, in the playoff mix, Minnesota does. Speaking of great coaches, and by the way, I'm a big I'm a big believer in a difference a coach can make. Obviously, here the great coaches always say, "Well, you got to have players." I get that, but you mentioned the Heat. Uh, Spolster, this guy really can coach, can he? He's he's got to be one of the best coaches in the league. Oh, if he's not the best coach, he's top three at worst. I mean, you can throw Popovich and Doc Rivers, maybe one or two other guys into that mix, but. 
Spolster's excellent, and he does it just by, you know, preaching discipline, excellent play calling, and just working hard every single day. I mean, they have rules in Miami. You have to be a certain level of condition if you want to play for them. And if you're not, you're going to get, you know, tossed on the inactive list and told to stay back in South Beach and, you know, run. That's just kind of what they what they do there, and it, it's consistent. I think part of it, too, is having a pretty structured system. You've got Mickey Harrison at the top, Pat Riley in the middle, and Eric Spolstra uh, coaching things. Everybody knows their jobs. Everyone supports the other, and there's no ambiguity in Miami. You know who's in charge. You know what's going on. Chris, of course, you are a man of many talents. Tell us a little bit about this broadcast you're going to be a part of uh, coming up Saturday at Staples Center. It's fun. I mean, it's, it's a, a fight headlined by two YouTube stars, KSI and Logan Paul, who are very popular in that community. So you've got you know, two guys flat squaring off at Staples Center. They fought a fight in the amateur ranks over in London a year ago. If you haven't seen it, they just blasted away at each other for, for six rounds. And, and now you have them moving into the pro ranks as pro fighters. They're losing the headgear. It's going to be a wild scene. I mean, if you're, it's, it's a very, uh, I don't know, what's before, what's before millennial? What's the new generation called? What are teenagers in 20, early 20-somethings called uh, these days? It's that group of people coming to see that fight and and to benefit boxing you're going to have like young fighters like Devin Haney and and a few others that are getting an opportunity to shine on that stage that's Saturday night and we'll be doing the broadcast for DAZN uh, over at Staples so Chris uh for those of our audience that uh, are casual boxing fans but don't check out everything that's going on who's the best fighter on the planet right now I maintain it's Canelo Alvarez. I was calling his, his fight on Saturday for DAZN against Sergey Kovalev. He moved up two weight classes and knocked out Kovalev in the 11th round of that fight. I don't know that Canelo is necessarily the most talented fighter in the world. You've got Vasily Lomachenko, who is a two-time Olympic gold medalist. You've got Terrence Crawford, who is a terrific fighter at 147 pounds. But at some point, resume matters. It's like in any other sport. Your resume should matter for something. Canelo Alvarez has the most impressive resume of any fighter in boxing. Won titles in three weight classes, has fought the best in every weight class, or one of the best at least, in every weight class. That matters. So I think Canelo, in addition to being the most popular fighter in the world, boxer in the world, I think he should be included as the number one fighter in the world. One last question for you. I need Mm. your advice, Chris. My partner over here, Jake, uh, I, you know, I never knew he was a baseball fan at all, but for the past three weeks he's been wearing a Washington Nationals hat. He hasn't taken it off, and I don't know what to do with him, you know, and he claims he's a lifelong Nationals fan. We going did back it, to- Gordon. I don't know what to tell you. We made it. We <laughs> he's, arrived. He's, he's wearing it again today, Chris. I don't know what to do with him. Hey, ride it, ride it until it's over. I, I was – as someone that grew up a Red Sox fan, as recently as like three days ago or four days ago, whenever it was, I was saying the Red Sox are the reigning World Series champions. So, like, it's, yeah, see? You, you, you can get 360 more days out of this, my friend. Keep, keep uh, pushing that on as long as you can. And by the way, the name of the new generation, apparently, according to Google, is the new silent generation. There we go. So KSI, Logan Paul with the new silent generation at Staples Center. All right, Chris, you are the best. Thank you so much as always, and we'll catch you next week. You got it, guys. Chris Mannix, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated. That ended in a controversial draw last year, by the way. Did it really? The The KSI and uh, Logan Paul fight. Oh, all right. 
Uh, like we said, Chris, uh, multi-talented. Not only is he uh, a great NBA writer and analyst, but he's one of the foremost voices in the boxing world. So kind of fun. You guys lost your passion for boxing at all? Or do, I mean, it's... I was I had mild interest in, in boxing at best. I had a speed bag as a kid, Jake. Did you? Uh, let me tell you about that. Well, before you can get your story out. Okay, that's what's coming, isn't it? No, no, not at You're all. You're dying to talk no, about I'm it. Go not. ahead. Go ahead. I am not. Go I ahead. Did, the thought didn't even cross my mind. I, 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 I get the fickle finger of fate pointed right at me. Okay, here. let me let me set this off. <clears throat> Gordon, at any point uh, in your <laughs> existence, were you a boxing fan or into boxing? I was over I was, the weekend. I had a speed bag when I was a kid. <laughs> Wasn't going to bring it up. No. Was not not going to do it. My son-in-law is a big boxing fan. He loves it. We've heard this and story a hundred times. I, I, uh, Let's move on. I didn't bring up the speed bag. I didn't bring it up. I didn't say one word about it. Did you uh, grow up with any boxing-related equipment, Gordon? <laughs> just want you were just wondering. I just, I just I had know. a speed bag when I was a kid. I did like that. Thing. Yeah, was, there it, it is. Was fun. <laughs> Not sports it. report coming up next. Ninety-seven-five and twelve-eighty. The zone. I hammered that thing. I know we don't talk a lot of boxing on this show, but over the weekend, I had a speed bag when I was a kid. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Utah wins this football game. This was as big a regular season win in the program's history, in my opinion. Never has there ever, ever, ever been a discussion after a win of, wow, if this and this happens, they could be playing for a national championship. Three gimmies the rest of the way, in my opinion. And if Oregon wins out, Utah-Oregon, Pac-12 title game. When you say the biggest regular season win in program's history, I think you can make an unbelievably great argument. They've never been to this high of a mark in the program's history. That is a typical game game that in years past the Utes actually cough up and lose. That's the difference for me on this University of Utah team this year. That's why I feel like it could be there for the Utes this time around because they are doing things that in the past they weren't able to do. Tony Parks and Austin Horton weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Check this out. And now your not sports report on 97.5 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. Time to get a winner for the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Be caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE. Correctly identify the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Announced by DJ and PK this morning at 8.50, and you'll win a Zone prize pack. It's the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Brought to you by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. Time for the Not Sports Report. Gordon, it's brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online, LHMUsedCars.com. Where are we going today? We're going to Sydney, Australia. Down under. Yes, we are. Okay. Now, look, I am not uh, uh, judging here. As somebody might say, as they're about to go ahead and judge. I'm not, not, not going to judge. But. But. I'm not, not going to judge. Because I think people, you live your life, you live it the way that you uh, think is best, and you move forward. Okay? Okay. All right. That's it. 
Um, that's it. That's another that, that, that's that a fancy butt. Where are With you? With all due respect. It's, it's something that we've brought up on this show before during this particular segment. Uh, tattoos. Now, Jake, uh, how do you feel about tats? I don't have one myself, but, you know, to each his own. Do you have any, like, if Naz came home and said, look at this tat I got, how would you feel? Uh, she has a tattoo oh. that she got before we met. Do you like it? We met. Uh, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> That's the wrong answer, Jake. That's the wrong answer. How is that the wrong answer? You're supposed to say, yeah, I like it. I like it. It's fine. Okay. It's on. It's on the inside of her wrist. It's nice. Oh, all right, all right. Well, let me uh, tell you about Amber Luke. Okay, she. Uh, it's her goal, pretty much, to have her whole body tattooed one way or another. Okay, from top to bottom, and uh, quite literally. And she went in for a procedure to have her eyes tattooed. Sounds like that would hurt a lot. Well, it did. She, okay, she's 24 years old. She calls herself the Blue Eyes White Dragon. She underwent a 40-minute procedure to have her eyes turned blue. I'm not talking about the pupil part. I'm talking about the white of the eye is now blue. I'll show you a picture. There she is. They're blue, okay. all right. They're blue. They're bluer than blue. And apparently when it was the procedure was being done, this is the way she described what happened. I can't even begin to describe to you what the feeling was like. The best thing I can give you is once the eyeball was penetrated with the ink, it felt like the tattoo artist grabbed 10 shards of glass and rubbed it in my eye. That doesn't sound pleasant. It was very intense and very painful. My eyes got held open while a syringe was injected into my eye four times per eye. If your eyeball procedure is done correctly, you're not supposed to go blind at all. I was blind for three weeks. That was pretty brutal. That's disconcerting. Were you not sure if it's going to come back or not? I mean, okay, like I'm not judging. I'm not judging. But if I were to give advice to somebody is don't let anybody stick a needle in your eye to inject ink into it. Or cross your heart or hope to die. Fair enough. Real quick, if you were... Well said. That was original material, right? If you, Gordon Monson, were forced to get a tattoo, what would it be and where? A ram's tattoo. Uh, it would probably be something to do with my wife. And it would be... Like a big picture of her? No, nothing big. Uh, I would do something subtle. Maybe... A little picture of her? No, not, maybe something significant. That <laughs> a medium picture me of her? Of, of her. Maybe her name or something along those That's lines. Boring. That is That is, is that boring. boring. I thought you I would mean, where, get... Where that, would I put it? Yeah. I don't know. Should I put it somewhere where it's visible or Forehead. should I put it in a place that only she could see? Gross. I, I think I'd get a I'd get one on my bicep and it'd be an anchor and then mom written under it. I saw that in a cartoon once. Yeah. The guy that, ate a lot of spinach. Wasn't that guy? It wasn't there a commercial with the guy who was having you know he ran out of money or something and he wanted Ron to put on his arm and he got the R O N and ran out of money. I don't know. 
well, whatever. What <laughs> Maybe he wanted Ron there. <laughs> he wanted Ron. I thought we weren't going to judge here. <laughs> We're not judging. We're not judging. But all I'm telling you is that this, I mean, this, this has gotten, that's gotten out of hand, Jake. It's a lot of tattoos. Yeah. All right. No, anyway, to each his own. Stay tuned. Kristen Kenny joins the show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. It's a football Friday. Ron McBride and Alema Harrington. So we're playing Cal Berkeley. I mean, we're just kicking their, their butt right There you now. go. Good. Us, good, so, good, good check swing. That was well, good. Well, yeah, I cleaned up my language. Yeah, nobody believes that, Coach, but good job. <laughs> so then they said, okay, Ronnie Veal, you're up. Okay. Yeah. Goes in, throws a pick, right? Oh, Hey, Lloyd, you gotta dump that. Take that, dump that. Wait, you I'd, rather, I'd rather you say the first word than that one. You just made this declaration to, to the radio world. You sound like Scotty describing what's on our table. Oh, shoot. Yeah, you threw a pick. Yeah, yeah very okay. much better. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.